This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. To find out why, you go and visit MacWeldon.com. Use our very special promo code ROTL for 20% off your order. Mac Weldon. Hello. Hi, John. <clears throat> Hi, Merlin Man. How's it going, John Roderick? Good. Does anybody ever call you Merlin Mang? Merlin Mang. You know, I don't get that one too much. Yeah. I was telling my daughter that you're one of a very small handful of people who still call me Merle. Oh. And she's heard that name like twice ever. She thinks it's really weird. Merle. Merle. Because <laughs> we, we've been to the comic shop and talked to the guy at the comic shop. The, that's not, he doesn't, he's not technically the owner, although he's kind of the owner. You know, it's a co-op. But the yeah. owner's name is Christian. And, uh, and so he's a little bit younger than me. But he came up at a time where people go, oh, like Sister Christian. Ooh. So as soon as he discovered that Night Ranger was coming out with a song called Sister, he preemptively told people to call him Chris. Oh. And that got us talking about the name thing. He knew that. He knew that uh, even then he knew to say, uh, I'd, better get a, I'd better get ahead of this. Yeah. Yeah. He got in front of his skis on that, which I think is kind of huh. smart. Don't tell me uh-huh. you love me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> uh, and so who calls you Merle? You... Uh, my lady friend, sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really refer to me by name. It doesn't come up very much. <laughs> uh-huh. it's, but kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a familiar, familial, familial, familiar. From, familia. Mm-hmm. From, from. Sounds like a kind from, of Italian cheese. Familia. 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 Memento mori. Uh, yeah, it's a little, you know, it's a, uh, it's a diminutive. It's like, hey, I, I knew a kid in, in elementary school named Clark. Mm-hmm. And his mother called him Clarky. Oh, I think that's sweet. Well, it is sweet, but it's a but it, that's a tough name to put a to put a little like e on the end. Clarky. Clarky. It makes it yeah. extra clicky. Clarky. It is Clarky. I, there was a girl in my high school named Charky. 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 Like C H. C H A R K I E. Charky. Hmm. That was her name. Her the guy name. from uh, Creeper Lagoon was named Sharky. Oh, that's right, Sharky. He just started a new service where a touring band can rent a van from him. That's a profitable business. Anyway, Sharky. Well, uh, you remember Sharky's Machine starring Burt Reynolds. Oh, yes, I sure do. Sharky's Machine. So there's more than one person named Sharky. Mm. I've never met another person named Sharky. I still know Sharky. Sharky. At the time, in high school, you would never have thought that Charky and I would know one another 30 years later. Mm-hmm. But uh, she lives in Seattle, and <sighs> she sometimes comes to comes to my shows, and she's very supportive. That's and so nice. I don't know anybody anymore. Yeah. Well, I barely... Well, no, that's you keep not up, No, you keep up with a lot of people. I guess I do. You really I guess do. I do. First, grade, uh, first day of fourth grade, 1976, back when school started in September, like a normal thing. Uh, got out I, in June. Yeah. Started. Oh, those were the days. I, I started in my new class. Ms. Hare was my teacher, and Ms. Hare with an E said, uh, "I'm going to read your name, and if there's anything that you prefer to be called instead of that, let me know." And I don't know why, but this is a couple years after my father had passed away. I've been Merlin the whole time, and for some reason, I said I would like to be called Merle. I kind oh, of really? took it as a way to honor my father, and I thought it was a cool name. 
And, uh, and that's what I went by probably until into college. That's what I was known as. That really? Was, yeah. Yeah. Now it seems kind of weird. Yeah. Right. So, but if you ran into some old, old pal from the neighborhood, yeah. uh, that pal would call you Merle. Probably. I mean, do you think about your name very much? I don't think about my name that much, which seems weird. People assume because they call you by your name, they think about it. But like, I don't think about my name very much. Yeah, but Merlin Mann is like one of the all-time greatest names of all time. It's a pretty good name. A lot of people assume it's a made-up name. I mean, I guess technically yeah. all names are made up, but no, it's my it's my birth certificate name. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's really extraordinary. And uh, yeah, John, John, especially somebody my age. I mean, they named every fourth boy John, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really ring out. And um. Plus, of course, I mean the proof is the proof is in the fact that you and I, in our immediate social circle, know like eleven Johns, right? I mean there are a yeah. lot of Johns. I, I I I have two ongoing regular podcasts with people named John. Mm-hmm. I frequently podcast with other people named John, and then I know yeah. I know some Jonathans as well. Yeah, and then there are the lar- there's the wider, not even much wider circle of Johns, uh, and also I am. Uh, for whatever reason, have always been very, very nickname resistant. Not, oh, for, not the, for yourself or others. No, 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 no. I, I would. I always wanted a nickname. I thought a nickname was uh, was great. Oh, kill for a nickname. I've had so Give few a good nicknames. I know my my uncle called me the kid, which I thought was kind of a cool nickname. It was a little bit, you know, diminutive, but that's kind of the idea of a name like the kid. I like that. The I don't kid. think. I mean, but the thing is, a lot of nicknames come from stuff like wetting your pants. You know, or uh, one day you don't wear a jacket, you know, everybody starts calling you snot boogie. Yeah, some some tribal stuff. Yeah, (laughs) tribal stuff. In my fam, because my family is, is, um, well, I mean, the the people in my family are late breeders and late breeders all the way back. Mm. So, you know, my dad was 47 when I was born, but his dad was in his 40s when he was born. Now, that's weird. And his father before him. Mm. And looking through the records, there are people in my family in 1750 who had a child who had one of my forebears in their 40s. Was it, and, was it sometimes a first child? Because that, that's the weird part. Uh, sometimes you get miracle babies. But I think, at least in my, in my mother's age and really into our time, it was considered pretty weird to have your no, first uh, kid in your 30s. Often a first child, and more unusual, a lot of the moms were in their mid-30s to even late 30s, as wow. far back as as the 18-whatevers, early 18s. And so we have no idea how far back that goes, because it, it fades into the into the fog of, of time for, mm-hmm. in a lot yeah. of those cases. Yeah. But so what that means is that m- my people are less evolved. If if you go back fifty thousand years and you huh. and you have a group of people that are breeding that much, oh, I see later, what you're saying. Over time, that accumulates. There's fewer time for your forebears to be alive in some ways. Yeah, I am. I am uh, fewer generations removed from Ur humans mm. than anyone else. And in fact, okay. you know, I I dated a girl whose mother was twenty two when she was born, and her grandmother was twenty two when her mother was born, and her great grandmother was twenty two, and we we just sat and calculated it, and even back just to the nineteenth century, we it was very easy to see like she was already like two generations ahead of me. Hmm. 
based on the number of relatives it took to get back to 1805. Got it, got it. And so what that means is that within my family, there are all these anachronisms, all these strange uh, verbal tics. And the, weird, like, and the weird preferences, like you having exposure to so much like big band music, or me having um, like way more exposure to the comic style of the 1930s than, say, the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, uh, like, you know, my dad was really into the Marx Brothers and the Ritz Brothers and Abin Costello and all this kind of stuff. So that stuff was always in Jimmy Durante. That stuff was just always around, like to the point where when I was in a talent show, when I was like eight, I was doing a Jimmy Durante impersonation. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I who, did... who does that in 1975? That doesn't even make any sense. I dressed as Groucho Marx for the for Halloween in like 1980. Wow. <laughs> Groucho was still alive, but yeah, but, you know, it's it, it it's related all the way back. I, I mean, I hear it in a lot of the things, a lot of the affectations of my people. I may have even mentioned this to you before, but my mom refers to Napoleon mm-hmm. as Bonaparte. Mm-hmm. Der- derisively. Yeah, because if, if you tra- trace her family back, like she, her, pe- her people were on the receiving end of Bonapartism. In a way that she, and not not just with, she doesn't just say it with contempt. She says it with ad, admiring contempt, mm-hmm. like, like the way you talk about General Sherman or something. Yeah, he's the bad guy, but also like, you know, he's well. I mean, you, enough that you refer to him by his uh, by his patronymic, and, and often enough that your son notices it as kind of an odd bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Or my mom's complete. Contempt for Appalachian people. Well, which is yeah. I mean, which is because her what was it? Her great grandfather was a Civil War veteran, and and she knew him, and you know. No, we, but we, anyway, Ohio, we Ohioans, let's be honest. Oh, we Ohioans like to believe that we are at the top of the Appalachian food chain. I know you do. I know. <laughs> oh, West Virginia, give me a break. <laughs> but my people call me my my older relatives called me John John. From the time I was born, John John, and they still call me John John to this day, which feels like a which feels like a nickname from another time. Yeah, you know, like nobody really calls people John John. You think, John, sister, Hodgman get, you think John Hodgman gets called John John? I don't think he'd have it. No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. My sister decided at some. I don't know if she decided or maybe I decided, but we started calling her Susu. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, and it becomes its own little, you know, it becomes kind of a name, S-U-S-U, mm-hmm. uh, Susu. But no, uh, my friends have tried to nickname me a thousand times, mm-hmm. and it usually bounces off. There was a there was a little period in high school where I was called Rad Dog. Rad Dog. That, that Rad was, Dog. Now, just, just to be clear, these are nicknames that were given to you by others. Yeah, no, no, no. This is a T-bone type situation. No, or like when my dad, when my dad tried to, my dad at some point in his life tried to convince me that in college he'd been called Spider, and I was like, nobody ever called you Spider. (laughs) He was like, no, no, no. I was named, I was nicknamed Spider Uh by my fraternity brothers. I was like, that no one called you Spider a single time. Don't, Uh don't kid a kid. That's that's a retcon, you know. Yeah, but there were some, there were some kids in my. You know, I went partly in high school to a school within a school. Mm-hmm. That one over, you got to go down the hallway, right? Yeah. And there were some kids in the school within a school that I think later, as a group of people, as a group of like five friends, all became born again. Oh, my. But but they were they were pretty hilarious, and they were a year ahead of me, right? So uh, they were juniors when I was a sophomore, and they were like funny dudes. 
and nerds, funny nerds. And one day, one of them called me Rip Roaring Rad Dog Radical Rockin' Righteously Rascalin' Referin' Roderick. Mm. And somehow this group of nerd dudes took this up and could all say it. And it was an honor Mm. that this group of five older, funny, like school within a school nerds had this long, complicated nickname for me. That that, that takes some effort. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it was the type of it was the type of people they were, right? I mean, they also had a thing where at one point some AV person was trying to get a film strip to work or trying to get some movie to work in a class they were in. And all of a sudden a scene somewhere in the middle came screaming on with the volume full up of some woman saying no mustard. Hmm. And then, you know, they would each say no mustard probably 32 times in a typical school day. You hmm. know how these things work. It's early. Yeah. Meme. Mm, no, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing. And I mean, that's an age where you're more intensely aware of mimetic things. And, you know, I got bits today. I got stuff. I'm still sta- saying today that like I started saying in like junior high and high school, it's very, it's a very meme time. Yeah, no mustard. I haven't said it in a long time, but no I sure mustard. said it a long time ago. No mustard. And it would be a reaction to anything that, to anything, really. It I love these things. I, 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 we've got we got tons of these in my house. We have so many of these just between the three of us in our house that are not very interesting to other people. But, like, I love those. I mean, it's it's there's certain things where if one person says something, like a certain word or phrase, everybody else will automatically say something, sometimes in a funny voice. Or like there will be like like a certain cadence to how you say something that makes everybody then say the catchphrase. I love mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Somehow, rad dog, rad dog, rad dog, uh, percolated out of this rip roaring rad dog business, and it got shortened to that, and then it went. Uh, let's just say it went viral in uh, in my high school among people who knew me. Mm-hmm. Not everybody called me that. Obviously, like my girlfriend didn't, but but, but, they're, did. but they're aware of it. Yeah, everybody was aware of it. And people did call me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are still people in the world who might say that to me if it popped into their head. I'm, I'm not going to say it. I, I respect the meme. Um, in this case, that's an important meme, but I that doesn't suit you. Rad today. dog. Well, yeah, it's I'm not right. that you're not rad nor a dog. It's just it right. doesn't. It's not on brand for John 2017. No, it's some. It's the nickname of somebody that every time he ju- goes off a mogul, he does a back scratcher. Mm. See, I'm thinking like I. I like the anchor man. I think that that's one that could definitely. It's stick. good. It's good, but I, but it feels like something that people who were talking about me would say to each other. Nobody's going to come up to me and say like, hello, the anchor man. Oh, have you seen, have you seen the anchor man today? Yeah. Or like, oh yeah, he was talking to the anchor man. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's that uh, sticky that it's going to turn into that. Most people I have found, and I, I bet this is true. Well, maybe not of you, but most people call me by my full name. Yes, I have known, I have known, I see, I hate to say names because then people are going to go look them up, but I had a friend in college whose name was Patricia Frew and her, her name, her canning was Patty Frew and you would never call her Patty. You wouldn't call her Frew, you call her Patty Frew because it feels great to say Patty Frew. Patty Frew. F-R-E-W, don't look it up, Patty Patty Frew. And John Roderick is just, it's still, it's a lot of, 
syllables to to get out but it, it's just it's w- what makes sense to people it's um, got a nice rhythm to it though yeah john roderick mm-hmm. uh and i guess that somewhere somewhere recently somebody oh oh yeah i've told you this before mm. my first my first email address was hot rod at capitol hill oh get rid of the little cafe there mm-hmm. yeah and there are a lot of people that would still call me hot rod I I, i've referred to you as hot you know i want to put that on the list i've called you hot rod yeah, hot rod. Hot rod. I've called you that. I, that's that's what you are in my uh, when I get a text from you. That's the nickname I've given you in the Apple Contacts app. Oh, that's wonderful, hot mm-hmm. rod. Well, I'm glad that survives. Yeah, that's that's a good. Now that one kind of works. That's yeah. got that's got that's got aspects to to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it does. It 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 uh, it does still work, but it doesn't feel like something I would want somebody younger than me who doesn't know me. To come up to me on the street and call me that, yeah, right? that's, that's like a little—that's a little familiar. Yeah, it's a little bit of a friend nickname, but I wouldn't want somebody to come up and be like, "Hi, hey, Hot Rod, I really loved your show." I'd be like, "Hmm," I'd give a little bit of a gas face to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas Rad Dog, if somebody, if you know, if like somebody came up and was like, "Hey, Rad Dog, all the great shows," I'd mm-hmm. be like, "Okay, all right," I'd give them the finger guns. Okay, you're, you're making that an opening. You're saying if, if somebody sees you at the at the mall, they they can mm-hmm. say that to you. Is that okay? I, I mean, it's not like I'm saying do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying like, don't call me Hot Rod. Is, hmm. is more of what I'm saying. Don't call me Hot Rod. And th- and then Joko 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 turned, Joko turned all of us into Joe Rose and Joe Hose, hmm. and you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. when. Because we're all sort of Joe, mm. and we're oh, like, like a John Scalzi. Is, is he a Joe Scal? Joe Scal. I don't think it goes that far. Okay, Josie, Joko, Joe Ro, and Joe Ho. Those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is. Sounds, all, it sounds kind of Scooby Doo a little bit. It does, and it's all Joe. it's all Joko dependent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm never going to be Joe Ro outside of yes. That although I did have a girlfriend that called me Johnny Rod, mm. and that's pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty rock and roll nickname, yeah, Johnny Rod. That's a lot to live up to, Johnny Rod. Johnny I mean, Rod. that's that's the kind of nickname that you got to have a you got to have a cool car if you're called Johnny Rod. Oh, I just remembered one. Uh, there was a local chain of barbecue restaurants in Pasco County, and a guy in my English class decided that I was fat, uh, and so he called me <laughs> Fat Boy Barbecue. Fat Boy Barbecue. Fat Boy Barbecue. That's what he'd say the whole thing. Fat Boy. Hey, Fat Boy Barbecue. I'd say, how's it going? How's it going, John? Because I think his name was like John Watson. He had like a real plain name. Yeah, John Watson. There was a kid named John Watson in Anchorage, but he was a member. I think he was either a member or the brother of one of the guys in a punk band called The Exhumed. And The Exhumed were famous in Anchorage for being like really really bad dudes who mm-hmm. would go i mean they would like find dead cats and Ugh. nail them to a cross but like some 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 real stuff yeah real 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 stuff real and they stuff. were they were the you know they were the real deal uh but they you know they were just like some they were just some kids they weren't they weren't the uh, they weren't like whatever the real deal is but uh, and i have no way of knowing whether or not they nailed a dead cat to a to a tree i just heard that sure that's all you need i mean that's right once you get the rep yeah mm-hmm. boy it's crazy day i'm sorry my my you might have heard my echo device 
talking. I did. I did. What did your uh, What did your Alexa say? Well, see, today is a fraught day, John. I hope that by the time that this airs, something will have been fixed. But there's a huge problem right now. So uh, right now, uh, uh, I'm leaving this in. Right mm-hmm. now, the encryption that secures Wi-Fi has been has been mostly hacked kind of mostly so pretty much it's unclear what the full extent of this is but it's safe to assume right now that anything you're doing over wi-fi can be unencrypted so this is actually an opportunity for you to rewrite the encryption (laughs) i'm in (laughs) (coughs) this episode of roderick on the line is brought to you by mac weldon you can learn more about mac weldon right now by visiting you guessed it MacWeldon.com. Listen, team, this is a new sponsor for us, and I am legit excited that they're here. And I'm going to tell you why. First of all, Roderick and I love money. Let's just take that as red. Money is a good thing, but it also happens that I am a huge fan of Mac Weldon's clothes, and I buy an unconscionable amount of their stuff using my very own American money. I had an order last week, and uh, there's another one on the way today. Real talk. I love this stuff. You see, Mac Weldon makes stuff like shirts, they make pants, hoodies, socks, and yes, also their internationally famous underwear. These pieces are each all just insanely comfortable. They're sturdy and they're well-made. They fit great. They look handsome. They feel amazing. Today, I want to talk to you about Mac Weldon's shirts. This is a special interest of mine because personally, they make my favorite shirts. It is what I wear all the time. First off, they make something I adore called the Pima Long Sleeve T-shirt. Mmm, magnifique. I'm, uh, I'm making a chef mouth right there. You can't see that, I guess. While I'm not comfortable admitting how many of these I actually own, I will tell you that they are literally my daily go-to top layer. Unless the occasion demands otherwise, you will find me wearing one of these boys every day. They are just the best. Also, I know this one sounds weird, but I love their plain white t-shirts. I know. It's an underrated garment. They are hardy, well-tailored. They have a nice long tail. It keeps your shirt tucked in like you're a big boy. I switched to these last year full-time, all the way in. I never look back. They're the best. I threw away all my other T-shirts. Mack Weldon shirts, all I wear. Then, of course, I have to mention they have their magical underpants. Mack Weldon has a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, and that means they help eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable, so listen. If you don't like your first pair, you keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. What a deal. Mack Weldon, you guys. Thank you. So listen. Please, you go to head over, MacWeldon.com. Have a look around. When you've found something you like and you are ready to check out, please utilize our very special promo code, R-O-T-L, the four letters, R-O-T-L. You'll get 20% off your first order and help support our show. What a great new sponsor. Sincerely, our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. <laughs> every every <laughs> hacker in the world waits for these yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's living. That's living large. Yeah, no, I uh, no, I'm in full lockdown mode. I uh, I turned off Wi-Fi on everything that I have. I've turned off my Wi-Fi routers. I've turned Wi-Fi off on my devices, and uh, that was my uh, Amazon Echo telling me that it can't find the internet. I got my security camera bleeping red right now. My lights are off because wow. because, <laughs> because it didn't so, see me come in the room. <laughs> so I can't say Alexa. Yeah. What is the average rainfall in the Amazon basin? Hmm. What does she say when you ask her that? She's um, got to have some witty retort. That's one of her witty retort questions. That's a witty right? retort. But sometimes, you know, she just, it's, you got to say it a certain way. Oh. But, you know, you can say stuff like, how much does the president weigh? And they'll usually get it. 
So yeah, that's a that's a huge deal. This is a big deal. I hope how, that gets how fixed. How did this happen? Was it the Russians? I don't know. Maybe we got hacked. Supposedly, uh, yeah, this is a, this is an exploitation that's out there in the wild. It has to do with the four way handshake. It's the four way handshake is the problem. Uh-huh. Anyway, if anything weird happens, that just write it down to that. So is this a situation where, like, uh, a la Matt Howie, your garage door is going up and down? And oh, you're you don't know. It, it could be uh, Vladimir Putin opening your garage door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do know. He's in. I do know. He's can, in. Can you imagine the insanity if the Russians opened every garage door in the country at once? Oh, that would wake some people up. Fuck yeah, dogs and cats sleeping together. Yeah, fire that, would, trucks. that would change the body politic if you didn't control your own garage door anymore. He who controls the garage door controls the destiny. You could have somebody could come in and steal your cordless drill. You know what I'm saying? He is your density. Mm. Um, I I want to ask you something, and you you can feel free to uh, ignore this. You can feel free to tell me to cut this out. But I, I wanted to share an anecdote about something that happened yesterday because I feel like it's something we need to explore. Can I, can I share what happened yesterday? Yeah, no, I'm dying to hear it. Well. Um, at some point, as we record this, it's Monday, October 16th. The Wi-Fi is not working. Um, I, I think it was on probably, I guess I can go look back. I think probably on Saturday night, maybe, uh, you texted me and, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the, 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 okay. So yeah. So on the 14th, uh, which would be Saturday, I was uh, telling you some uh, offline administrative things. You said, that's exciting. And you said, uh, and then you said, yesterday at 9 a.m., being Sunday, you said, on at 10? And, and I said, you bet. And then a certain time later, I believe around 10.01, <laughs> you texted me to say, except today is Sunday. Yeah. And then I felt bad because I thought, oh, my God, like I would, ne- I would personally, I'm not, I ain't bragging, but I would yeah. never, if there are any two days, I would never confuse it's, Saturday, it's Sunday and Monday. But somehow you had an alarm set, you were, you were planned and ready to go, and you thought Sunday was Monday. Saturday night at 11 o'clock at night or whatever, I leaned over and grabbed my phone and was like, better set my alarm for, for uh, the show tomorrow. We should, tell, you know, we, should tell, we should tell our listeners we're trying an experiment inside the experiment, which is going back to our 10 a.m. recording time. Going back to 10 because 9 wasn't working for that's, us. Well, and, yeah, that's, that's a wrinkle. Mm-hmm. And what happens with me and this show is that I set my alarm for 9.45 because I know mm-hmm. that I have 15 minutes after I wake up to microwave one cup of coffee and open my computer. Yep. Uh, and that's all I need. All I need is 15 minutes to, like, come come awake. And sometimes I don't come all the way awake. You may have noticed until you start talking to me and then I'm like, what? And then I, then I am there. It's, but, it's yeah. you know, it's it's ambitious. Fifteen minutes is ambitious, but mm-hmm. you uh, some of the time uh, have been here at ten a.m. That's yeah, absolutely I, the case. And I like to fly a little close to the sun, just enough that the wax in my wings mm-hmm. softens without melting. You can soften wax without it melting. It's a lot like you jumping on the plane at the last minute, jumping off the muni at the last minute. That's right. right. Uh, fewer, just recently, fewer, fewer ways to telegraph your movements. A couple of days ago, I flew to San Francisco for 24 hours, and as I was leaving for the airport, I said, I'm only going to be in San Francisco for 24 hours. What should I pack? Uh-huh. And I thought about it, and I was like, I'm going to... I didn't have a hotel arranged yet. Oh, my God. I Talk said, about close to the sun. Jeez. I said, I'll get a hotel on my phone while I'm at the airport. 
And then I was sitting there and I'm thinking like, what do I bring? I'm going to be there for 24 hours. And then I said, oh, I know the answer. Nothing. Mm -hmm. I'll bring nothing. So I put my coat on and I walked out the door and I went to the airport. And at the airport, I thought I did something I never do, which is download an app which was some kind of app that w- that said last minute hotels because all of the hotels that oh, I like normally a, like, stay a ho- at, like a hotel tonight, a hotel tonight type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the hotels that I normally stayed at stay at in San Francisco when I went to their websites and said, "What's the chance of me getting a hotel room tonight?" <laughs> uh, that's, an, all, well, that's an open table type situation where it's like, "Sorry, nothing." Well, well, the answer was the chances are great, six hundred dollars. And I'm like, uh, no, $600 is the same as no hotel room. Mm-hmm. But I went on this thing, which was something like hotels tonight. And I got a hotel in oh. what they describe. This is the great thing about San Francisco. <laughs> they describe it as Union Square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One time my mom found a really good bargain. She's like, it's great. It's like with the Ambassador Hotel in Union yeah. Square or the Commodore or something like never get anything with a with like a military title. Like never get anything that sounds fancy that says Union Square. Yeah, my Unless hotel it says was, Marriott, do not get it. <laughs> my hotel was the Bijou. Ooh, the Bijou. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew uh-huh. when it said Union Square yeah. that what it meant to say it meant a little west of Union Square, <laughs> a little west Tenderloin. Yep. The one neighborhood in America that has not changed one iota since 1972. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you still go down in the Tenderloin and it looks like an R crumb drawing. <laughs> yeah. Of people just like I mean. It's bad. It's just it's it's, it's not it is not funny and it has gotten super schmooper bad. It's well, shocking to people who come to town now in the last two even in the last two years, like what what is happening on Sixth Street is like unbelievable. It's extraordinary. It really is. And I mean, I want- like and it's not like it's not like we're saying, Oh, it's really sad there's lots of people sitting on the street. Like I can't I don't even want to tell you on a family podcast what kind of stuff is the the extreme Hieronymus Bosch esque human misery <laughs> that is happening at a scale, an order of magnitude greater than you think right now. Like there, are, there are literally people shitting publicly, like up and down the street, shooting up, screaming and crying. It is really, it's very Bosch. Speaking as someone who just stayed there. Okay. What's and, a, and what's, you're talking about in the Union Square area. In the Union Square area. Mm-hmm. What's incredible is that right there on market are the headquarters of Medium and Uber and Twitter, a Twitter and a dozen other. So Twitter's right in the like, heart of darkness. Yeah, a dozen other tech companies. The hotel, the Bijou, that I stayed in, has in the downstairs a craft cocktail bar where the bartender had a handlebar mustache and was playing Tupac. <laughs> but when I went up to the to the desk to check in, uh, the receptionist said, Would you like a quiet room or a normal room? <laughs> Oh, oh, that's an that's an unusual level of candor. It was, and I, you know what I said? What'd you say? I'll take a normal room. Oh, she didn't see that coming. But on a high floor, and so she put me on the top floor, where I was able to hear, in the course of the night, uh, at least one person who screamed almost continuously for two hours. Oh, you could tell it was the same person. 
for two hours. And then at some point around four in the morning, six shots fired into the air or what I presume to be the air. Oh, God. Uh, and this is like two blocks from market where the the next morning when I woke up, it was just a swarm of like techie weckies mm-hmm. on their way to worky worky on their little hoverboards and, and, um, and I, it's just like, how, how in the world does this work? Importantly, these are people who are, one might say, commuting in. They don't, they don't live in the Union Square area. No, no, no. They zoom in. They, they zoom, zoom in. in. From, yeah. They zoom in on the... But, um, but so I arrive, and, I, and this is, you know, there are big fires outside of San Francisco. The whole city is shrouded uh, in the, like... It looks like Tatooine. In, I mean, it's, yeah. every, everything's orange. It's super weird. Shrouded in the like in the dashed hopes and dreams of a hundred thousand or hundreds of thousands of people, mm-hmm. like it, w- it's, just the, had, it's just the ashes of Sonoma covering everything, and the air it smells like a campfire, and it's really weird. So that's a very strange time for you to be here. It was strange, and you know Seattle had a big fires this year too, up in British Columbia, uh, and that smoke kind of came down over Seattle. But those British Columbia fires were happening mostly in like untouched forest. Mm-hmm. So our forest fires were like it just smelled like a burning forest. But yeah, your fires were like burning towns. Yeah. Um which was some heavy heavy duty stuff. But this is all by way of describing the fact that I went <laughs> to my show and then I woke up in the morning and I did a podcast with a friend and I met another one of our mutual friends at his man cave for mm-hmm. a little while. Nice. And then I got, and I was doing, and this was all walking around, and then I got on a train, and I went to the airport, and at no point did I have any kind of, of there was nothing even in my hands. It was just, I was wearing a jacket. That so was the did, you, you just brought, my, did you bring like a backpack or something? I brought zero. You, you brought, shut your mouth. You came, got, you are a brave man. You got on a plane and flew to another state with the clothes on your back? Yeah, with a with not even a not even like an overcoat, but with a blazer. You're Batman. And it was so when it was time to get on the plane, it was like I I'm back to last on the plane because what the fuck do I care? Yeah, right. What, I don't. What, I don't you, you can't do anything to you. I mean, like you have you have yeah. nothing to, to tie you. I don't need any. I don't mm-hmm. need to put anything on. I'm going to go over to Sbarro and get a lasagna just because I can't. Yeah. I'm going to sit here right. I'm going to sit here and just stare at the gate agent while they call my name three times because I'm eating a lasagna still. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't. Nothing mattered. Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, I was. You're, over you're my, truly free. Yeah, I was a free man. Just like you know, uh, I think I probably told you, but my first trip to Europe, I got robbed. Uh, about halfway through, and I had a backpack that had everything you could oh, want. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, and th- and it was another situation where I was I spent a week just in deep mourning over all my lost socks, and you know I lost a carton of cigarettes and mm. my Walkman and all this stuff. And then that period of mourning ended suddenly when I realized, oh shit, I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have anything. Yeah, and it was really liberating. I. I traveled in Europe with nothing for I don't know three months. I didn't have a thing. No. I I just washed my clothes in the sink. I mean, I'm sure I smelled terrible. I'm sure I looked terrible. No, but you know what? You're a fucking student. Like, 
compared to the French hippies that were staying in the same youth hostel as I was, I looked pretty, pretty groomed. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of groomed, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've. I'm experienced- listening. I'm listening. I'm, I'm processing this because I, I, I'm thinking about as I, as I'm sure I've mentioned to you, I do this thing when I pack where I and I don't do this as much anymore, but I used to pack as though I were not only a different person than I am, but I were. That, that I was perhaps two to six different people than who I am. Where hmm. I would, I would like right now. I wear. I don't say I wear the same clothes every day. I wear the same type of clothes pretty much every day, including our sponsor for this episode. Thank you, Mac Weldon. Um, hmm. I uh, I frequently will just I'll wear jeans and a t shirt and a long sleeve shirt over that, and then like a hoodie or or something. And somehow when I'm preparing to go anywhere, I I uh, to. to quote uh, Seinfeld, I turned it into Diana Ross. And I'm bringing evening gowns for events that I have not been invited to. And I'm bringing changes of socks that have absolutely no uh, association with how often I would actually change my socks. I've never (laughs) needed in the modern era to change my socks more than once in a day. Right. And it's you're going on a four-day trip and you take 11 pairs of socks. Exactly right. Well, the the only thing I fall short on when I go to a warm climate, because I'm so used to not being in a warm climate, I sometimes forget that I need more bottom layer shirts than I think. That's the only time I have less than I need, but I way overcompensate. So the reason I'm saying all of this is you're you're describing a dream to me. Like what you did, it was very, very brave. And I'm very impressed. Well, it's phenomenal. And also, I think one of the things that helped was I knew that the two people I was going to see on Friday were not people I was going to see on Thursday. And unless unless somebody drove past me on on Castro after seeing me Thursday night, Mm -hmm. they weren't going to see me Friday. Hey, look, it's the rad dog wearing the same clothes. There he is. Mm -hmm. And so not only did I wear one outfit, but I didn't even wear like a blue shirt and a blue blazer. I wore a bright orange blazer with a like an orange plaid tie. So basically, I was saying to the world, like, if there's even a if there, there's even a delay of my flight, mm-hmm. I'm the guy in the two day old orange blazer. But oh, yeah. as it as it was, like, I rolled into my house more or less. The same time that I left it the following mm. day, and I took my coat off and put it on a hanger, like fucking Mister Rogers. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, do 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 do. What's mm-hmm. next? And it was pretty good. <sighs> pretty good. That yeah. is really impressive. I know, I know. It felt, it felt, uh, it felt like an, the next. Oh, and I got the chance. I was sitting next to somebody on the plane, who was kind of unfriendly to the stewardess and fairly curt with me and was actually transcribing things off of his phone onto a notepad. Hmm. Like we're looking at his phone and then writing it down on a notepad. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hmm, interesting. And he's wearing a polo, a polo shirt. He just this sort of looks like a, he's one of those people that probably is my age. But when I look at him, I'm like, what's up, dad? I know. I know. I know the type. Yeah. And so, and and like the 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 flight attendant asks him what he wants to drink and his reaction is what instead of like how many things is she going to say to you uh, right don't, don't like, be that guy yeah. you, you win what? nothing I mean, when you do that and what do you mean what anyway so he keeps working and then i look at him again and i 
And he said one other sort of curt one word reply to the stewardess. And he hadn't spoken to me in the entire first half of the flight. Yeah. Except to kind of be like, what? When I asked him some question, I looked over at him and I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I said, are you Dutch? <gasps> He's a Dutch. And he turned. And he said, what? Ex- no, he turned excited, eyes wide open. He was like, yes, how can you tell? And I was like, oh, how can I tell? Wow. Oh, you're beautiful. And then he immediately could not stop talking and talked to me for the entire rest of the flight. We talked about the political situation in every single country in Europe. We talked about Brexit. We talked about, and his opinions of Brexit from top to bottom. We talked about Trump from top to bottom. He just opened right up. Because Much like I, recognized, I recognized him as Dutch. And it was, it, was, it was just a little something in his accent, and then it all came together. I was like, oh, wow, no, wait a minute, it all fits. Of course he's Dutch. And he lives on the coast. He lives on the coast in a town that I've been to. Huh. So we had all this stuff in common. Is Dutch the place where you were in the sand? That's Looking, in the place where I was in the sand. Yeah. In fact, I was the in the cement sand. gravy boat of suffering. <laughs> yeah. And I was probably three miles from his house. At that I'll point. be hornswoggled. What are the chances? Now, I, I didn't bring that story up to him mm. um, because it's always weird when somebody, uh, especially from Europe, is like, oh, yeah, I live outside of Castle. And I'm like, I've been to your town. And they go, really? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I was passing through. I leave it at that because mm-hmm. because if you're just meeting somebody and you say, yeah, I walked through your town on the way to Istanbul, it's sort of like you sit up, you pull up next to somebody at a bar and you go, how are you going? And the bartender says, you know, what would you like? And you order some really, really complicated, uncool yeah. drink. And then you turn to the person next to you and like, so what do you, what's going on? And it's just like, no, you're not gonna. You turn to the guy next to you who's got a boiler maker. When you give you give one of those pregnant kind of remarks that that is basically begging people to ask you questions about what yep. you just said. Yep, this yep, reminds yep. me of the second time I sold a sword in Da Nang. It's like, oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Why, yeah. Why'd you have swords in Vietnam? What? Yeah. So anyway, I usually say to people, oh, yeah, I was just passing through. You know, I was a tourist and I was on my way somewhere else. And they're like, oh, anyway, I don't perfect, really care. Perfect. That, that, that's, that's your version of, like, I'm a ceramicist, right? Let's I'm just, a ceramicist. We'll just lay this down. This is fine. If you want to ask more questions, you can ask more questions. But I'm, you're not on the hook to ask me about sleeping on a beach. Yeah, that's right. And we are not going to go there normally because most people do not follow up, right? Most people are just like, oh, right. Well, anyway, more about me. And I was I enjoyed this guy, and he was very he was very very Dutch. He was an executive at a at a company that you would recognize the name, mm-hmm. uh, um, an international multinational company, Philips, uh, something like that. Although mm. headquartered not in the Netherlands, like mm-hmm. rare, it's a, the rarest occasion where a multinational company with a Dutch executive Grolsch, wouldn't actually Grolsch. be. I, I'm trying to think of Dutch companies I know. Well, but this was an American company. They just had a... They oh, had a, see, he took it and he turned it. Okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, he, he turned it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not LG or whatever. It's like mm. uh, another thing. Okay. Um, and, uh, and he had been trapped in San Francisco by the fires because 80 flights got canceled. Right. And he was only flying to Seattle with me in order to get on another flight to Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam the following day. So he wasn't coming... He was like, oh, yeah, Seattle's a nice city, but I'm, I'm just, I'm laying over, baby. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, it was very, it was very enjoyable to uh, interact with him. But I did have the one two swords in Da Nang moment, <laughs> where uh, because I had, of course, developed a good rapport with the flight attendant, because when she said, "What would you like to drink, sir?" Mm-hmm. I said. Well, I better not have another ginger ale because I've already had two, and that's my limit, or whatever oh, kind of whatever kind of dad thing my dad would say <laughs> that I say that I just ejaculate without even hearing myself. You don't even have to try. I don't even remember what it was the I dad said to her. Jokes just fall out of you. It was something like that. It was like, uh, what, what what am I gonna have to drink? I don't know. What would you recommend? You, you know, got what's you got a hurts donut. <laughs> <laughs> What's the house special here? And, you know, and, and she's heard it all, right? She's heard it all. Oh, but, you. But exactly. That's her response. Oh, you. You crazy. Oh, you. Can I give you an extra bag of peanuts? Hmm. But she said something to me at one point, and I said, oh, well, you know, I travel without luggage, so it oh. won't be a problem for me. Oh, you, you're like, you, I don't own a TV guy. Yeah, but I but the rare occasion where you can be the I don't own luggage guy. Mm. Uh and I and even as I said it I realized, oh, this is two swords in Da Nang. Mm-hmm. But and they both looked at me. He turned and looked at me and she looked at me, but but again, neither one followed up on that. And I didn't press the issue. I just sort of looked away and was like, "Wow. Mm. Wow, I'm I just I just I just dropped that little bit of science on them. But then when it was time to get up and get off the plane, I stood up and I was, I mean, I didn't make a gesture like, you know, like wiping my hands off. See you later. But I did, you know, I just stood up and walked off the plane. What Hmm. are you going to do? What are you going to do? There's nothing holding you down. No, I could go down the, if the plane had crashed, I could have gone right out the emergency exit, Hmm. been right on the raft. You you wouldn't hesitate because your Windows laptop is in the overhead. No, exactly. Nothing. 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 Did, I you bring, did you bring a phone charger? I had a phone charger in the pocket of my blazer. Okay. I did do that. I did have one thing. But did it was you, did one you get of those, a toothbrush at the Hotel Bijou? Uh, the Hotel Bijou provided a toothbrush. Nice. And, a, and some other things. But, you know, toothbrush, like a cheap one wrapped in a piece of plastic. That's all you need is a toothbrush. You know, the Hotel Bijou, when I walked in the door, there was a section of the carpet that had been so... I don't know. I don't even know what it was. Probably a blood stain. But what they'd done was they just cut it out. They just cut a square out of the carpet and put another piece of carpet in there. Mm-hmm. But the but the new carpet was a darker shade than the old carpet because the old carpet was either impossible to match or had faded so much. Maybe they stopped making it. They stopped making that. that yeah. That's right. And I walked in and I looked at the room. And it was clean, and it was nice, and the bed looked nice. Oh, you're talking about you had a you had a fresh square of carpeting in your in your hotel room on the floor of my hotel room. Ooh. Well, but I looked. I was around. thinking it was the lobby or something. Okay. No, no, no. This is dead on in the center of my Ugh. room, so it's not a, a wear spot. It's like it's like somebody. Yeah, shit went like, down here. It's like somebody cleaned a salmon in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, but I looked at the bed. I checked the bed. It was, it was, it was nice. It was clean. It was newish. Mm-hmm. Um, I called down to the front desk and said, "I need some non-feather pillows." Mm-hmm. And they scrambled. They said they didn't have any. But I have the feeling that the uh, the service was good enough there that I that some manager might have gone over to to Coles and bought two. 
because eventually someone came upstairs with two fresh foam pillows. And I, and I realized in the last several years, most of the hotel rooms I stay in have been paid for by someone else who's uh-huh. like, come to the thing and here's your hotel. And so those hotels are of a class that I normally wouldn't book for myself where I walk in and I'm like, Oh, voila, you know, like ring, ring garçon, bring me a steak sandwich. The kind of place where you could ask for just a bucket of ice and they would bring it to you and they wouldn't groan. Right. Right. Or like where, where I, where I say, you know what? I don't like everything. Would you change it? And they're like, of course. Wow. So I walked into this place and I realized, Oh, this is actually the class of hotel room that I am. You this found your not, class. Yeah, this is not a hotel room uh, that someone would buy for me mm-hmm. because they, would ne- they wouldn't say like, oh, let's get him one in Union Square, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, we have to put him up somewhere. You know, we have to put him up at the Hotel Kabuki. Uh, and so I was, I, I kind of felt great. I, there was a, a feeling washed over me of like, yes, this is for 20 years. This was the hotel that I stayed in. Uh, and it felt like coming home. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there and I listened to the people screaming in the street and I looked at my little patch of carpet and you know, what it did have was a bathroom that had not been restored where the bathtub was taken out and replaced with a stand-up fucking shower Mm -hmm. it still had the bathtub with the tile around it it was like it still had wind oh merlin it was on the sixth floor (gasps) windows it open windows opened all the way oh my god all the way i opened them all the way out i leaned out i could have smoked a cigarette and looked (sighs) out of the town there was a fire escape like i've been looking at pictures of this place it's uh it's a hell of a place it felt like coming home that's a good feeling, and it's just pure, John. You didn't have any any hindrances. You just you just right. you got in, you got out. I hung up my blazer on a hook, and then in the morning, and I hung up my tie on a hook, and then in the morning, I got up, I put the blazer back on, and didn't even have to put the tie back on. Good for you, man. And went out into the world just like just like Willie Loman. You wear every part of the buffalo. Yeah, yeah, fucking a. So good. How did how, how'd your gig go? Oh, the gig was great. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's lit quake down there right now. Oh, is that right? I haven't even sent out my cards. <laughs> uh, quake. Uh, there was a time, I think you remember several, several years ago, where I made the commitment to myself to begin to think of at least the West Coast as essentially one contiguous urban area. Ah, like, a, like one long urban corridor. Right. Yeah. So if somebody in Portland said, hey, we're having a literary festival, will you come down? I would never say, ah, it's like a two-hour drive. I just said yes. Mm-hmm. And when someone in San Francisco said, will you come MC the World Series of Poetry at Litquake? I said, yeah, it's an hour and a half flight that costs $150. Yes, mm-hmm. I will do And if someone said, I'm your girlfriend and I live in L.A., will you come down here? 14 times a month? It's right on the corridor. I would say, yes, of course I will. It's a two-hour flight. It costs uh-huh. $160. Uh-huh. And so I got in this habit. Well, oh, hang on. So Seattle to L.A., Seattle to San Francisco. You, those are both, uh, those are both uh, virginable. 
They are. They're Alaska Airlines. Oh, but you're, you're, still, you're still mobbed up with United, right? Uh, Delta. I will not go on United. I wouldn't take United if my city was on fire and mm-hmm. I had to get out. I wouldn't go on United. Mr. Roderick, free, free flight out of town. It's, nope, it's, on, it's on United. Nope. Nobody. Nope. Nope. Mm. Nope. I mean, I'm agnostic about American Airlines, and mm-hmm. I like Virgin, but you know, Virgin was purchased by Alaska. Yeah, but we're still in the in the in the period where it's still we're in the its, own, it's it's still its own thing. We flew it this summer, and it was terrific. You pay a little we're bit more, that- you get one of those big chairs with a with with room in front of you, and nice. I'm gonna miss that airline, John. I'm really gonna miss that airline. You know, I went to an event with Richard Branson mm, earlier this year. Me too. Which one did you go to? <laughs> and he uh, was, he was, uh, I call, doing him, I call his, him Dick. <laughs> he was doing his Richard Branson thing mm-hmm. where he arrives even in though, a balloon. <laughs> he arrives in a balloon. He, for whatever reason, he travels. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, when I say for whatever reason, I know what the reason is. Mm. He travels everywhere with eight stewardesses dressed in 1960s stewardess outfits like super tight pencil skirts Mm. and pillbox hats squad goals who who just roll into a venue before he gets there and just situate themselves around the room and then in he comes i don't i I don't hate that idea wow jeez but then he sat up on the stage and had the kind of temerity to talk about uh, Income inequality. Bad, well, yeah, yeah, and how men uh, in business need to get hip to feminism and uh, promote women in, in other white guys. You walking like our, this, <laughs> exactly, and you're just looking around the room like there's a cognitive disconnect because none of these uh, none of these air hostesses are mm-hmm. older than 26 years old. <laughs> Just and nodding all, along in their pencil skirts, <laughs> they have not been chosen. Dick, Dick is so woke. <laughs> <laughs> they were not, they were not chosen for their uh-huh. like superhuman ability to to serve drinks fast. Well, I'll tell you that. Right. Uh, but so I met this. Actually, I I met a nice air hostess, and we had a wonderful time uh, chatting. She was. Very, I love talking she, to the air hostess. It's a joy of my life. Uh, and she said, actually, as I quizzed her, that her job was exclusively to air hostess on Richard Branson's jet when he flies around the world. Huh. So I follow her on Instagram now, and her Instagram posts are just like, here I am by the pool in Dubai. Here I am by the pool in Johannesburg. Here I am by the... Anywhere Richard Branson goes, he carries the this full complement of, like, 60s attired air hostesses. Five wouldn't be enough. No, no, no. No, no, no. Sometimes I bet it's 14 of them. I wonder if they know Kung Fu. I wonder if they each have, like, a special martial arts skill. This gal definitely knows kung fu or is able to pick locks or can throw a knife. Oh, she could be like the bomb guy. I bet she I bet she is. No, no, no. The bomb guy would have a British accent. Oh, she did have a British accent. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Maybe oh, she, she had a British accent? Guy. Oh, man. They, they all have British accents. They're from British. When I talk to the air hostess, let's get something straight. First of all, well, second of all, yes, I want mm-hmm. to be I want to be liked. I want to be liked by everyone. The first thing with the air hostess is, though, I want to let them know I'm not going to be a problem. That's right. I'm not a problem. I go way out of my way to make sure you know I'm not going to be like Dutch, right? I'm I'm a a nice guy, but I'm not a creep. And, I mean, this is any kind of host or hostess. But really, when I go in there, it's like a soup Nazi thing uh, where I'm just like, I just want you to know I am am not going to be a problem. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to ask for extraordinary things. And if, if there's a pinch, you can count on me. I got your back. Yep. That's right. That's right. I will help you. If and I, ho- the plane and I, hope, goes I hope that does make you like me. But like, yep. first of all, first things first, you know, eat your brain. Like, I, I want you to know I am not going to be a problem here. 
Right, you're Merlin man. You don't think she's just a waitress. I'm Merlin in the sky. man, and I. <laughs> <laughs> they have a new album out that's very good. Is that right? There's a new alive, <laughs> alive replacements record from oh, 1985 or six. Oh, it's no. really it, no, it, they're good. It sounds good. I saw them in 1987, and it was that's when they take on the mantle of like we'll just be drunk in public a lot. Yeah, it was terrible, and in fact, at the end. Of the show, uh, Little Brother, mm-hmm. uh, the last thing he said into the microphone was he quoted Johnny Rotten at the final Sex Pistols show at the Cow Palace or whatever, when he said into the microphone, Do you ever feel like you've been cheated? Mm. Because the show was so awful. Mm. And he said that into the mic, which was, uh, he was, you know, he was referencing another shitty band. Shitty oh, live band. there's levels to it. Yeah, where he was just like, "Yeah, but you ever feel like you've been cheated?" But he said it in his Minneapolis. Now, now there's way. a good, there's a good nickname for you though. His his older brother uh, was known as uh, Smoking Bob, or Smoking mm-hmm. and Drinking Bob. Smoking and Drinking Smokin Bob. Bob. Smoking Bob is a pretty cool nickname. It is. Smokin he had Bob. a lot of problems. He had a lot of lot lot of things going on. Smoking Bob. Yeah, I I thought you were going to say Cheater. Cheater che- would be a killer nickname. Cheater. What's up, Cheater? Cheater. And who who is the guy, your guy, Skeeter? Skeeter, yeah. Okay. Skeeter Skeeter died. Ugh. But Cheater. Cheater. Our local our local guy, the, my my adoptive local guy is having a real rough patch right now. Yeah. So yeah. Hit, hitting bottom, bumping along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got on the train for our, our daddy daughter afternoon we do on the weekends and uh and our local guy was on there and he he had to they had to throw him off the train. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the problem. For I'm not gonna say his name. He's he's my guy. So here's the deal: if there's somebody in your area, you adopt them, and that means every time you see them, you give them a certain amount of money. Every time I see right. him, I give him twenty bucks. I know it's not helping, but it's helping a little bit. But yeah. like that'll make his life a little less whatever it is for like a little while. I know. Email right. John. But he's my guy, and we know each other now. For a long time, he was confrontational and violent. Like at the time when my daughter was a baby. He was real scary, and I was super sensitive to his scariness, and we had lots I've, of yelling matches. I've seen this guy. The guy with the beard. Yeah, we went out one time. We, we were going to your local uh, Taco Bell Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yep. Uh, yep. We were not going in there because I wouldn't let you. We mm-hmm. were walking up to the Dirty Hands Dim Sum place. Mm-hmm. But we had a confrontation He's with probably this sleeping guy. By, sleeping by the ATM, right? He was sleeping by the ATM, and yep. there was a little bit of like, Ugh. and you gave him a little, Rawr. Oh, yeah. Well, so then things got better. He got something happened. He got picked up, cleaned up, medicated. And the heartbreaking part is like we would have conversations. Not heartbreaking mm-hmm. to me as this, this dumb white guy with the house, but like we would, me and the dude would, would talk and he was funny and had a sense of humor and seemed a little bit, maybe even kind of literate. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe like he had been a professor or something. Like he was fun to talk to. Right. And it's just one of those things where like you don't see him for a while and you go like, is this it? You know? Right. Did he not it. make it? No, he was on the train yesterday, being pretty rough and confrontational, and he's dropping some f bombs. And good. you know, my daughter and I, you know, you just kind of ignore it because what yeah. are you going to do? You're on a train. And I just turned to her and said, uh, "Yeah, Nima guy's having a rough day." Yeah, I'm not sure why I'm saying this, but it made me sad. Yeah, that is that is sad. I mean, my mom adopts uh, people who are struggling. And does the same thing, but but also like tries to get them in touch with their families and tries to find them housing and so forth. And she will have 
you know, she has a kind of string of these guys that she is sort of caring for in the course of her daily Hasn't routines. Hasn't she, like, brought people home? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I thought uh, I remembered that, yeah. She, you know, bought them plane tickets, like, uh, re- really trying to help people. And she'll lose them. She'll lose one every once in a while where oh, they die God. or they spin out or, yeah. you know, or they go from clean with a job and an apartment through a process, through a whole process of, like, getting them on medication, getting them back into the world. Clean job and apartment all the way back down to sitting in front of the supermarket, insensible, doesn't recognize People who've never been through a a super bad thing. I know everybody feels like they've been through super bad things. But you look at that and you go, oh, that poor person, they're always going to be on this, you know, one step away from everything falling apart. But I mean, if there's anything that we learned from Trading Places, one of the great movies, I think it's important to realize that like, well, you know, maybe you just haven't fallen hard enough yet to now be vulnerable to future falls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and the thing about mental illness is that there's no, there's just a lot of mental illness that there isn't a, there's no cure, you know, there's just, there's just uh, monitoring and yeah, there's like There's like monitoring, management, amelioration. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> we should get Richard Branson on this. Oh, well, the thing about Richard Branson. That I also was very... want to get back to Sunday, but go ahead. Uh, it was very interesting in this in the course of this talk where he was uh, where he was saying he was chastising everyone in the room for not paying women uh, the same that he was paying the, these air hostesses his, who his fo- sex dead of air followed, followed followed him everywhere and when he decided to go water skiing they all like tried to see how many of them could get up on his shoulders and oh bikinis. That's, that's fun that's fun like the like the go go's cover mm-hmm. the go go's record that's all he ever wanted at one point he digressed because he's a very he's a very good digressor he's not somebody that's going to stick to the script you know what i'm saying he said yeah well you know alaska airlines bought virgin america from me earlier this year for an undisclosed sum large sum uh but they when they were negotiating with me they promised that they were going to keep it virgin they were going to keep Virgin Airlines alive. Of all the brands out there, maybe even arguably more than I could see, like a United buying a JetBlue and turning it into basically like United. But like especially with Virgin, the brand equity in that is just bananas. The well earned brand equity, I have yeah. to say. And he said the same thing. He was like, as soon as they completed the purchase, they were like, "Oh, sorry, we lied. We're turning it all into Alaska." Psych. And he said, "It's not that Alaska. It's not that Alaska's bad. I would put Alaska like probably right under." Yeah. JetBlue, which is right after Virgin. I've had a lot of really good experiences. Especially back in the day. Airline. Back in the day, you could upgrade to first class for 50 bucks. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I was uh, I was in Alaska, never a like a gold member, but I was an MVP until uh, until Jason Finn got involved and told me that I needed to be on Delta because Alaska didn't go to uh, to Bahrain. <laughs> <laughs> but, lay the groundwork for the long game. <laughs> but uh also also apparently that's not leonid brezhnev on the tail no 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 in fact i remember as a kid alaska airlines the tails of alaska planes had like 10 different little things there was a totem pole there was a little the little girl there was a uh, there was a lady there were uh, there was an eagle or whatever there were really, a lot there'd of be different, different things that were um Evocative of Alaska. Yep. It was all Alaska. I and don't think some... if that guy if that guy's an Inuit in a hood, la la la. Uh, the problem is that does not read as a hood. 
No, it doesn't. The whole thing does not translate to a young audience. It looks like Brezhnev as the MGM lion. It's sort of like what happened to Colonel Sanders. He's oh. become a thing where you don't even recognize who he, that he used to actually be a dude. Yeah. Uh, but in the 70s, Alaska livery was very evocative. And I think he, I think that man in the hood had not been cartooned to the degree he is now. Okay. And you could see that he was in a parka. Oh, I'm like seeing the, here. Oh, this is cool. Okay, I'm looking at an Alaska. Alaska's uh, signage in the 70s was much more, to be honest, much more American. Uh, airlines yep. looking. It looks like they've got a Helvetica-ish typeface. I see a... Is totem pole, is that the right word for... Is that where we allowed to say that? Yes, we are. Okay, and it's got Brezhnev. It's got some kind of a tower, and it's got a miner guy, a guy with a pickaxe. There's a miner guy. There was a little There was a little girl in there somewhere. The miner. Oh, the miner. I loved the miner. Mm-hmm. It's the got the thousand-yard miner stare. Yeah, he does. Wow. Uh, but so Branson says mm-hmm. in his way where he's like, look, I don't want to toot my own horn, no. although that is 92% of what I do yeah. toot my own horn. But he said, Virgin is the is one of the great brands. What was Alaska thinking? And then he does a big comical shrug and he goes, well, you know, that's business. And we're all meant to be like, wow, well, he's really wise. Wow. He just Ted talked the shit out of us. <laughs> I'm going to go pay my female executives the same I pay my male executives. Shame on me. <laughs> uh, are there other... So was this an unusual thing for for whatever reason? You, you mixed up a Sunday and a Monday. Is that an unusual thing? For, are there other days of the week that you will occasionally mix up with any regularity? There is very little difference in my life between a Sunday and a Monday. See, okay, th- this is the thing that I don't understand. It's like you do kid things. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. My life is entirely park. described by the five day school week, pretty much. And I, I woke those, up those at days six in the, the day... morning today to take, uh, to get, yeah. uh, to get baby ready for school. Huh. But here's the thing mm-hmm. because I have an unconventional family uh, relationship, both with my mother and my daughter's mother, um, there is on any given day, I might be getting up at six to get baby ready for school. Uh I might be not doing that. I might be the one that picks baby up from school. I might be the one that goes to school because there's a field trip that day and, Uh and there's a parent that needs to go along with the field trip. Or I might be left completely alone and no one has, no one asks anything of me. Or I might have a meeting that day at any hour from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. that I have to go do, like, it's all, everything comes out of a blunderbuss. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a, a blunderbuss calendar. Hmm. And we all just work around each other because her mom travels for work. Her mom has things to do after work. Her yeah. mom wants time alone to clean up her house and get her life back in order. Her mom has all kinds of, you know, normal human needs too. Yes. yes. And my mom also is like right in the mix because she gets up at four thirty in the morning. So like 7am she's raring to go. Mm-hmm. If I would get up at 7 a.m., my mom and I would get so much done before noon. Like, that's her dream son, right? Who gets up at 7 and is, like, already digging a hole mm-hmm. by 7.45. That's, so, that's, it, I, 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 I've done that 
uh, at times. There have been times where a variety of different circumstances have made it smart for me to get up super early. And it is incredible. And you do get so much done before sunrise. But it's also a lifestyle. And yeah, to, to, well, which, to which your mother is not only committed, but like that, that is her preferred lifestyle, obviously. That is her preferred lifestyle. That's right. She wants, she wants a house that looks east because she likes to sit in the morning already halfway through the newspaper and watch the sun come up. Um, anyway, so this also, this sort of like um, randomness also continues onto the weekends. So there are Sundays where I might get up in the middle of the, you know, I might get up at, at the crack of dawn to go have to do something mm-hmm. because of the flying everywhere for the show business. So all by uh, way of saying that there is no clear pattern uh, in the course of a week. And when when my kid was l- very little, uh, I was talking to her pediatrician. I mean, she was little, like a little, just a little pupa. Mm-hmm. So I'm to her pediatrician and I said, here's the thing. My life is, is like coming out of a blunderbuss and I have sucked everyone in my larger orbit into a world where my thing is accommodated. What is going to happen with baby? Mm. And she said, children really love uh, a dependable, reliable schedule where everything happens the same every day they want to get up at the same time they don't they don't know they want it they don't know they want it but they want it they don't know they want it but they want it they want to have dinner at the same time every day they want you know uh to do homework at the same time every night and i was there and i and i i thought about it as i was talking to her and i'm i'm taking it all in i'm i'm thinking hard on this and i did that thing that I do, which, which people of our generation can do, which is think back to all the people we knew who came home to a house where the dad was an alcoholic who sat in his, in his chair in the living room, uh, like with steam coming off the top of his head mm-hmm. and all the moms that, that ashed cigarettes on their kids and had them go get whatever, Get them another, get them another seven up out of the fridge while they watch their shows, and all the one, all the kids who got, you know, who one parent died and they went to live with their aunt. Um, and I thought, yes, kids want to have dinner at the same time every night, and that is not a thing that my child is going to be. She's just not going to have that option because it isn't, because it would require that I stop doing what I do mm-hmm. and I can't do that and it doesn't benefit her that I do that. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it's, 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 there's, there's things where like, yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned you have to ask at some point, like, do I have to do all of these things? Do these things all have to be this way? Like all the time? It's like, cause that's not tenable. No. And anybody who thinks it's against this, you're teeing up this thing that at least I know I suffer from all the time, which is the, like, I'm terrible at this. I'm, you know, but you're teeing that up. You're, you're creating the condition in which you've already set yourself up for failure by thinking that like, there's no way I can save this. Yeah, right. And so I was just like, I shook my pediatrician's hand and said, or her pediatrician's hand, I don't anymore have a pediatrician. Good for you. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Um, 
But my pediatrician sat me down at one point. My dad obviously said to him, like, will you talk to him about the birds and the bees? Because I tried to get him to go to a brothel and he wouldn't. Yeah. So uh, would you tell him about it? And the pediatrician who was like, boy, talk about two swords old, in Da Nang. It was something Woo! else. He was like, John, do you have any questions? Mm. And I was like, no, sir. And he was like. I'm glad we had this talk, son. Mm-hmm. And he looked like Norman Rockwell, if Norman Rockwell had been put in a microwave. Oh, that's, a good, that's a terrific look. Uh, but, yeah, so when I wake up in the morning, it's anybody's guess. And I don't usually think that I'm going to record Roderick on the line on Sunday morning. But I don't. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Right, right, that right. That I'm going to think that. I just, you know, there's some people, like some people have a sense of direction. I think probably you you have this. I know my wife has this. There are some people, so like I see people who have a sense of direction or I experience people with with a sense of direction and it might as well be like a magic skill to me where like like you could just spin them around and they're just going to know which way to go intuitively. I've seen you have this. You just show up somewhere and you have some intuitive sense of how to get from here to there that I find absolutely magical. I have something much less useful, which is I can't stop thinking about what time it is and what day it is. It, which it's not it's not useful it's not hmm. really, it's not really helping anybody but like you mixing up a sunday and a monday i'm not criticizing but you mixing right. up a sunday and a monday to me is on the level of like how would you not know how to walk one block to your house like i am constantly it's it's <laughs> it is it is a source of stress in our house that you know you wake up and you say what's the uniform of the day right. I, I wake up and i start walking around the house and talking about what day of the week it is and what that means I go, today? Good morning. Today is Monday. Morning briefing. <laughs> well, that's another one of our bits. Someone, someone says family meeting, and then somebody else says standby. Uh, uh-huh. And then you all gather together. That, that's a Howl's Moving Castle joke. And so anyway, uh, family meeting, standby. But usually I don't want to upset the, the, the progress, the usually very slow progress, because I'm obsessed about what time it is. And I start walking around. I say, good morning. It's Monday. Monday. Tonight uh, we have we have pickup at 4 o'clock. And what would everyone mm-hmm. like for dinner? And they're like very busy trying to get out of the house. And I'm walking around trying to talk about what day and time it is. And, and so you're I mean, like the principal. You're the principal of your high school. I'm doing morning and announcements. Morning announcements. And, and but it's a little bit like you know. I don't. I, I think I prefer to be cremated. But if someone wanted to um, bury me, you could probably put it's seven twenty one on my tombstone because I am I am the walking, talking, angry morning clock who's constantly reminding everybody. And then when everybody else is like seven twenty one, that's I feel completely crazy because i'm like you know there's clocks my daughter's wearing a fitbit there's clocks all over the house how do you not know yes it is already 721 and then then like a pyrrhic sisyphean every morning i walk around and i keep saying it's 721 and everybody's mad at me because i'm johnny Clockmouth. <laughs> so that's my i mean i think this is one of those things though where people have these different sorts of things where you can't imagine the rest of the world not being the way that you are about something. Like well, your, your my, story, your story of traveling without a bag. I'll bet there's people out there right now that are like like sucking air out of a paper bag because they're so freaked out about the idea of not having three suitcases and every conceivable dongle for the three computers they brought. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's true. My, my the the equivalent in this family is that my mother and sister both independently follow the weather like it's a uh like it's a constant emergency like a constant CNN emergency it's like it's like hurricane CNN hurricane time all the time for them yeah they have they both have uh i mean my sister has multiple apps 
Um, if you ask my mom at any time what the high and low temperature today will be and what the seven-day forecast is, mm-hmm. she will be able to recite it. Wow. Um, and also what the highs and lows will be for the seven days. My sister <sighs> knows uh, with the same amount of, of granular detail, the not just the regional weather, but I would say the hemispherical weather. Like, I don't think she knows what's going on in the Bay of Bengal mm-hmm. unless there's something exciting going on. Mm-hmm. But she certainly knows American weather and what's ha- what the highs and lows are in Denver. and, and Well, you, you, got the, you got the Irish pseudo-hurricane happening. Is there a uh, pseudo-hurricane happening well, in Denver? Well, it's, it's, under, it's under hurricane force as we record this, I believe. But yeah, it's this crazy-ass weather system that was lashing because it has to lash. Yeah, uh, they do. <clears throat> It um, uh, it was was hitting uh, the Emerald Isle with winds up to 100 miles per hour. Whoa! Talk about something you're not ready for. Talk about an unusual weather event. And that's what I'm saying. Well, you know, we're about to see, uh, we're about to see the whole Gulf Stream, um, or whatever you know, the uh, the Atlantic uh, circulation of ocean currents and weather. We're about to see it flip. Mm. It's going to flip, Merlin. It's going to switch around. You think it's, it's going to flip? It's going to be like when the when the poles switch and all of a sudden uh, south becomes north. Except the, the circulating gyre is going to do a flipperoo because of the, the melting uh, uh, polar oh, ice Oh, is it gaps. changing polarizations and magnets? Well, it's not going to change the magnets, but okay. what it's going to do is right now the the, uh, the 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 cycle comes up the east coast of the United States, hits Ireland... With some nice warm. That's why that that southern coast of Ireland is. It's like almost tropical. It's like beachy. It's really nice there. No really beachy. Yeah, you don't think of it uh, because it's uh, you don't think of it. But no. but there it is, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then it comes. Then it goes up there and it brings some cold air down. And then it cycles back down along the east coast or along the uh, west coast of Europe and Africa. And then it then it does it again. It spins that direction. Hmm. Spins spins clockwise. But they're saying when the cold water that's coming coming down from the poles gets uh, gets extreme enough, mm-hmm. it's going to flip the switch. Oh no! And it's going to make it start cycling counterclockwise. No, we're not set up for that. No, we're not. It's going to change everything. And what it's going to do is hmm. it's going to make the East Coast freaking cold, way colder than it is now. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to change it all. It's going to screw oh. it. It's going to screw the pooch. No, I'm not liking this it's, at all. No, it's a pooch screwer. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And who knows what that does to everything else? You know what I mean? Who the, knows the, the kind of knock-on effects. I, I I don't like these kinds of things. I find this no. very troubling. No, it's going to be freaky. Ben, my sister, the thing is, when it happens, my sister will know all about it a long time before anybody else. I don't know why they follow the weather so obsessively. I mean, growing up in Anchorage, it was a thing, I guess, that you did because the weather could kill you. Mm-hmm. But we haven't lived in Anchorage as a family for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet they, it's just like, just like you, they not only know, it's not that they know what day it is. It's that they walk into the house and they're like, you know what the seven day forecast is? Mm. My mom said to me this morning at six thirty in the morning, she said, well, I, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go outside and do the following things because it's going to rain for the next seven days. Oh my God. That she's, that is some ninja shit. That is a superpower. Yeah. And I was like, well, so she, what but- she did, she joined together uh, two different realms of her personality, uh, Razmataz, to yep. be able to combine her amazing planning ability with her amazing weather ability. 
Yep. Oh my God. Actually, what she said was, it's going to start raining either late tonight or early tomorrow, mm-hmm. giving me this sort of window where, it, where, where it's a little bit of an out because I can say like, well, if it's, you know, that probably means it's going to start raining midday tomorrow. Yeah. And she might've left the or early tomorrow morning as a, uh, as a potential. I told you so. Well, mm. I told you it could have started last night and it did. Yep. Yep. That's right. So that is, I mean, that's one part of my world where I'm never at a loss for, Mm -hmm. for having outside information, right? I don't have to go read the newspaper. I don't have to step outside. I already know what the weather is because it's been. And just because you're around people who are constantly telling you what the weather is, it does not make you more aware or more desirous of going out and finding out on your own. I say this because it's kind of like me being morning, morning clock mouth. Well, right. I mean, but nobody walks around my house saying, it's Monday, Monday, Mm. Monday. Mm -hmm. So I go, you know, I'll go three days and not know what, where I am. I just, I don't know how you could not feel that in your bones. It's not a criticism again. I, honestly, it's more like a legit, like, oh my God, how am I broken like this? Why is, why am I like this? I mean, I feel, I feel like I feel true north. I believe in it. my bones. Like if you got I'm, more, if, you got more uh, oxide magnets in your nose. You're like a hawk or a falcon, if, right? If you put a blindfold on me and spun me around thirty times, I just feel like my nipples would point north. What if? What if it was air hostesses that did that to you? Wouldn't that be a hell of a thing? I would pay first class prices for mm. a coach ticket. Fly those on friendly the, skies. On, on that. Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, yeah. I call him Dick. <laughs> 